Hello, and welcome to the Girls Chase interview series. I'm Varun Raja, your host and member of the Girls Chase community. In these sessions, I invite you to tune in and listen as we interview the various authors and contributors to the website and answer all your questions about dating, seduction, and other mechanisms in life. It is thus my pleasure to introduce our first guest, Girls Chase founder, Chase Amante. Hi, I'm Varun Raja, Girls Chase reader and member. Welcome to the Girls Chase interview series, where we interview the authors and members of the website and answer the various questions you have about dating and seduction. It is my pleasure to introduce our first guest of the series, Girls Chase founder, Chase Amante. Hello, Chase. It's a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for your time. Hi, Varun. Glad to be talking with you. Thank you. So, as uh, many of our readers know, you've founded Girls Chase for several years now and have developed it into a large resource for dating, seduction, as well as all sorts of life advice. Now, many people have also wondered, how did you begin your journey? I'd like to know a little bit about you and how you became the man you are today. Gotcha. So I started out with uh, kind of a weird place, a lot of social anxiety when I was younger, pretty much a, a social phobia almost, where I was afraid to talk to people because I was so afraid of rejection that I didn't want to put myself out there at all. It felt like any rejection would just be crippling. So I spent a long time throughout my teenage years trying to get better with women and trying various ideas and schemes and none of it worked. Um, and throughout college, I mostly focused on getting good at music until I hit sort of a low point where reality forced its way back in and made me take a look at my life and say, you know what, things are not getting better. And approaching it, from this sort of, you know, when I become a multi-millionaire music star, then it's gonna turn around. Not, right. not very realistic. So I said, it's time for me to get out and start tackling the woman problem for myself and the social skills problem as sort of a project where I've just gotta get more experience, more exposure, and start to gradually improve and get better and better at talking to people and especially talking to girls. So I pushed myself out, I started meeting new women, and went from there. So it was largely a process that you embarked on on your own. You essentially inspired yourself and you were so determined to resolve this issue in your life that you went out and did it. Yeah. Correct? Exactly. That's fantastic. It takes a lot of ambition and focus to be able to even begin a journey like that given all the drawbacks we all have when starting out. Now throughout the course of your journey, how does your technique and view of dating evolved? What I mean is I'm sure you struggled early on. How did you overcome the early challenges in your dating life? Uh, for me, I think in some ways I started off mentally in a better place than a lot of guys did. Because I never was in the nice guy, sort of, I wasn't in that place. I guess one of the advantages of not having any friends or any, any access to women at all was that I got to be the observer on the outside. So I got to see what was actually working for other guys and what wasn't. I noticed that the nice guys were always lonely and frustrated and the bad boys were always cleaning up with girls. So when I started out, I said, all right, that's what I've got to go be. I've got to go be one of these guys. One of the things that did change with my mindset was realizing how quickly you can move and how important it is to move quickly. 
because I did start out as one of these guys who thought, okay, you know, you gotta take it slow and not make her think you're all about sex or else then she's gonna run off. Doesn't wanna be with a guy that's like that. Right. And obviously I think about it very differently now. How do you think about it now? Well, depends on what you're going for and how you present yourself to her, but the easiest path to getting together with a girl, no matter what capacity you want her in in your life, is if you're presenting yourself as the sexually attractive lover and if you're getting together with her as quickly as possible. And a big part of the reason why guys still find themselves in that position where they're being punished by the girl for showing sexuality is because they're putting themselves in sort of a platonic friend role where the girl doesn't see them that way and she's not going to be attracted to them no matter what they do. But they're focused on getting the right reaction out of her, which is a positive reception. And they get that by making themselves into these platonic, sexless, sort of asexual beings, which still gets them her friendship and attention and companionship, but doesn't move them any closer to actually sleeping with her or dating her or getting her as a girlfriend, which is what they want. And you raise some very valid points about this because throughout various sources in the media and through other social networks, as well as advice you garner from friends and family and such, there seem to be competing viewpoints as to what women really want when it comes to men and dating and sex. So in your opinion, what do women want when it comes to men and dating? It depends on what stage in life they are in, what their experiences have been like, and what they're trying to do. It can also depend on what sort of relationships they have now or they've just gotten out of. So if you have a younger woman who's not from super conservative background, generally she's one of the girls who just wants to have fun. She just wants to enjoy herself and be with a guy who's fun and cool and sexy. And she also wants a good reputation. She wants to be thought of well by her peers. She wants to be held in high esteem. So she's going to tend to want guys around her who like her and give her attention and build up her sense of self and make her look popular, especially if these are attractive, cool guys. So these are like the nice guy friends that you'll have around her building up her status for her. And she likes these guys, but she doesn't necessarily want to date them or sleep with them. She also wants at some point, sometimes, and not all the time, she would like to have the guy who's a high-status boyfriend who can improve right. her status and make her look attractive and hopefully it's fun for her to be with, too. And then when she's single, she wants to experiment with some sexy, attractive guys that maybe are a little different from what she's experienced or are the kind of guy she wants to try. Maybe she's never been with an artist before, or she's never been with a muscular guy, or she's never been with a white guy or a black guy or some other kind of guy. She just wants to try him out because it's intriguing. But she only wants to try that guy if he's sexually exciting, if he's not too frustrating for her to be with, and if she doesn't feel like getting together with him is going to impact her reputation socially, if he's going to be a risk for that, if he's too close to her in, in her social circle, or if he's a guy that she feels like is going to talk a lot or blab a lot, then she won't want that with him. So essentially that's three things. The guy who's building up her status by being a friend. The guy who is also building up her status by being a boyfriend or making her feel secure. And then the guy who's giving her excitement by being a lover. But then as she ages, or it can happen earlier if she's from a very conservative background or culture, then she'll start to look for something longer term, which is right. when she's looking for the man that she wants to make a life with. And when she's doing that, then it's not as much about looking for a boyfriend with status as it is looking for a man who is gonna fulfill the kind of things that you would look for in a life partner. However, she generally still will want men around her in the friend role to provide her support and backup 
to give her security and status, and she'll also still usually have a need to have sexy, exciting men as sexual outlet. Ideally, the ideal for a woman is if she can find a man who is pretty much everything she wants. The man who is sexually exciting, kind of the bad boy, but then she finds out he's actually the bad boy with a heart of gold. Here's this guy who's going to be a great, stable, long-term guy as well. But he's always a little bit naughty and she's never 100% sure if she's really got him or not. If he can fulfill all these roles, then she's a very lucky girl. Of course, you see that theme quite common in women's romance novels where there is a man that so fits the bad boy stereotype yet reverts to a more rational sense of being where he is a little edgy yet also quite stable and, and fluid with the way he lives, right? Yeah, and so. you'll notice with these guys too, there's often an up and down. Like she feels like she's getting him, she's taming him, but then he reverts and then he goes off into the wild. And she's upset because she's losing him and then she gets him back and there's this drama, this up and down. And you sort of want that almost, maybe not as extreme, but to some extent, if you run that through your relationships, it will keep women very involved and very engaged, very in love. So Chase, you mentioned that there are many different roles that men can play in a woman's life. Why is it important when you approach a woman to approach her as a lover rather than as a friend or as a long-term relationship candidate? Uh, well, that's similar to what we already discussed. If you're playing the role of the friend, you're going to end up in that friend box where she's viewing you as this platonic asexual guy. And if you're approaching her from sort of a, you know, a perfect boyfriend candidate role, you're going to be subject to much heavier scrutiny and she's also going to place herself on her best behavior. You're not going to get to see all the full side of her, which means that if you want a girl who's a raunchy sexual beast, you're not going to get that. And if you want her for something long term, if you're trying to find out, you know, who is this girl really on the inside, you're probably not going to get to see the full picture there either. Another problem with going the boyfriend route is that she's going to make things take longer and go more slowly because she's being extra careful, one, to make sure that you really are the guy that she wants as a boyfriend, and two, to make sure that she doesn't mess up and show the wrong side of herself or act in a way that you will disprove of. What happens when you go that route is usually things don't work out because there's so many different things that can go wrong when she's screening you for this really important role of boyfriend. And then of course, if you're looking for the friend role, you're kind of out of contention right away as soon as she stops seeing you as a sexual creature. And that's sort of, that's a bad precedent to try and have to break out of because if you're being seen as this asexual, platonic being, once people form their opinions of you, those opinions get pretty stuck in their head. And it's pretty hard to unform those. So generally, if you have girls to see you as a friend, you know, it's usually better to go out and find new girls who don't see you that way yet than it is to try and change the long-held impression that someone else has of you. Sort of like if you meet up with your old high school classmates, even if you're a totally different person now, they're still gonna see you in the light of however you were in high school because that's who you are to them, you know? And they could see if you're like the big dumb jock and now you're actually like this well-educated, intelligent dude who's got his master's degree or his PhD and he's in all these different science journals, they're still gonna see you as the big dumb jock and they're not gonna see right. you as the scientist. Because your opinion was formed way in advance, I suppose. Yeah, it's fixed in their heads. I see. So basically the role of lover gives you the freedom of not being seen as this asexual person whom she can't sleep with 
and it also frees you from the staunch requirements of the boyfriend. She doesn't feel pressured to be on her best behavior. She doesn't feel like she has to pretend to be someone she's not. She doesn't feel like she has to be super careful with you. She can just be free around you and just do what she wants. And this gives you the most honest relationship with her. Uh, it allows you to move quickly with her and it gives you the most reliable path towards actually getting together with her, sleeping with her, dating her, having her as a, as a partner in a relationship. And you mentioned one very important thing which I want to point out, which you said is it allows you to move quickly with a woman. Now, can you explain why moving fast is important? I mean, what does it look like and what happens when men don't move fast? Uh, moving fast is just that, it's moving fast instead of slow. So moving slow could be, it depends on the girl and the situation. If she's kind of a typical Western girl, she's accustomed to a Western dating sort of structure, and she's kind of thinking you know, three to four dates is what you do before you have sex, and then after that, then be boyfriend and girlfriend. Moving fast is sleeping with her when you meet her, or on the first date, for instance, or somewhere in the middle ground could be the second date. Moving fast is doing something like getting her phone number as soon as you meet her, instead of uh, waiting until you've talked to her five different times. Or uh, it's getting her to come sit down with you within a few minutes of meeting her, instead of trying to circle back to her later on in the day or the night if you're at a bar or nightclub. That's just taking all the things that you would normally do much later on and doing them sooner. And the reason why you do this is twofold. One is because there's attraction, it's sort of like a, maybe think of it like a hot dish. It's better to eat it when it's still hot than after it's cooled off. And when you meet someone new, that attraction is going to tend to be based on your fundamentals, which is all the pre-work that you have done to make yourself attractive. So that's things like her posture, your voice tone, your facial expressions, your gesticulations, your mannerisms, how you smile, how you talk to her, how you look at her, your eye contact. And it's also things that take a little more time to work on, like your hairstyle, your body shape, how in shape you are, musculature, if you've lost weight, if you used to be overweight, facial hair. All these things, those things are, are I mean, a lot of that's your look, how you carry yourself, how you come across, how you present yourself. Right. These things have probably the biggest impact on your initial attraction. And that initial attraction, if it's there, she likes you. If it's not there, she doesn't like you. And you can still kind of talk her into having something happen, but that's less likely. So usually if she likes you, she likes you. And so long as you can make her comfortable, you can typically go about as fast as you want. The only limit to that is how comfortable you can make her as you move fast. And this is also to your point you mentioned earlier, people make impressions of each other so quickly and so fast, sometimes within the first five seconds, then if a woman displays signs of attraction to you early on, then you'd say that moving fast, you have a much higher likelihood of actually getting together with her in the end, correct? Right. So it's sort of like, you know, if you meet a girl and you really like her immediately, I mean, you sort of know if you like her or you don't like her. And if she says, hey, let's go move over here, you know, if that's a little sudden for you, you're still going to be, it's kind of exciting. It's like, wow, you know, this girl's cute and she wants to move really fast. This is a little, I'm not used to this, but it's fun. So even if you say, well, let's slow down a minute, uh, you're still going to be enjoying yourself. Whereas if you really like her and then nothing happens and it kind of just plods on for a long time, the interaction loses steam and it also gets increasingly more awkward. This tension builds up because both of you are wondering if anything's going to happen, but two, you're also getting used to things not happening. 
So if you go a long time without anything happening and then someone tries to make it happen, it gets harder and harder for that to feel natural because you've gotten so used to the other person not doing anything. So if they suddenly do something now, it's like, well, what caused this? Why the change? And it feels more awkward probably for both parties, I would say. Yeah, it's very awkward. I see. Sometimes you can overcome that if the person logically decides, okay, well, this is awkward, but I like this person, so let's give it a shot. But you don't want her having to make these difficult logical decisions. You want it to be smooth and fluid and effortless for her, because then it's more likely to go the way that both of you want it to go. Of course. So how should uh, men go about speaking with women then when interacting with them in order to move fast? Uh, one of the core themes of your website, you mentioned things like framing, sexual framing, chase framing. Do you think you could tell us a little bit about what that looks like? Sure. Using sexual frames or chase frames, which are ways of introducing sexuality into the conversation, that's just one aspect of conversation, but it's something that if you do it in addition with other rapport building type conversation, can add a, a very sexual element to things and help you to spice things up very quickly. One of the problems you see with a lot of guys who start learning to talk to girls and to build rapport is that they focus completely on the rapport and they get really good at building this connection with the girl, but there's no sexuality in it. So they end up feeling like a really great friend because they have such this, such a great connection, but they're not sexual guys. They haven't built their, their sexy vibe yet. And they also don't introduce sexuality into the conversation. So generally it's easier to learn to build sexuality into the conversation. And then later on you can improve your ability to have just sort of a sexual nonverbal vibe. At which point you don't have to say anything sexual because you're just losing sexiness. But that's harder to do and takes more time to do. If you're adding sexuality to the conversation, my favorite way of doing this is what I call chase framing, which is where you use sexual humor in order to imply that the girl is chasing after men or chasing after you. Usually that's just using misinterpretation to misinterpret things that she's saying to mean that. So, see if I can think of an example. You can do it pretty much with anything, but for me it's mostly a spontaneous thing in conversation. It's essentially inserting dirty lingo of sorts into the conversation, right? But very, very subtly stated. Yeah. Something that she can associate with on a sexual interpretation if she chooses to, and it entices her to think of you in a more sexual way. Right. I want to give you an example because the examples are, are kind of like the, the picture paints a thousand words, or is worth a thousand words. Okay, let's say you're sitting there and, and she mentions that she loves to paint. Yeah, maybe you ask her, oh, that's interesting, so what do you paint? Landscapes, nudes, What's your thing? Maybe she laughs and says something about nudes, and, and then you say, yeah, I can, I can see you're already planning on propositioning me to come over to your studio and undress. So what you're doing there is you're teasing her about something she does and making it sound like she's this predator who's hunting men and making them take off their clothes so she can paint them in the nude, and then probably there's other sexual things that go on there. And then after that, after she agrees to it and laughs about it, then you take the joke a little bit further and you say that she's already planning on doing it with you. This whole time you're, you're making, it's a joke, so it's fun and it's funny, and because it's funny, she's laughing going along with it and accepting it. And what it's doing is it's painting this picture in her head of her doing this sexual thing that you're telling her about. And it's kind of like uh, the movie Inception, where you put an idea in someone's head, put that idea in there. It doesn't matter if she knows it's her idea or not. The fact that it's in there, you start to think about it. 
And that's where the role of framing comes in too, because she, when she starts thinking about being sexual with you, it's much more likely that you will actually have the opportunity to be sexual with her quickly. Yeah, it's introducing her to the concept and easing her into it. Instead of running this three hour long asexual interaction, and then you bring her back to your place and start putting moves on her. And it's like, whoa, where did this come from? Because I wasn't thinking that way at all. So you're getting her thinking about it early on so that when it happens, it seems like the most natural thing in the world. Of course. Now, just to break really quick from technique, I was curious if you maybe had an example, maybe a funny example or a memorable example, where you did move fast with a woman and it turned out perhaps amazing or maybe even a disaster of some kind. Is there any like recap you might be able to share with the audience? Uh, amazing or disaster? <laughs> yeah, I can give you tons of them. This is the first time that I moved like super fast for me with girl. That's also an example that I use in my ebook towards the end. Was one where goes. I was in a bar with a friend, and I was trying to hook him up with this girl. And she was a really cute girl. She was like a high. She was sort of a friend of a friend of his, so he knew her socially. She was like some, uh, some rich girl in town. I was just visiting my friend. And I was trying to hook him up with her, and some other girl came up and dragged him away. And I could tell that she was kind of on the prowl, sort of been checking out my friend. But then he went off with this other girl, and this prettier girl was standing here by herself. So I said, all right, let me just talk to her then, see what her deal is. And when I had her come sit down with me right away, and then with a little bit of talking, a little bit of uh, chase framing, and pretty soon the conversation just died out because she wasn't asking me anything about me. She wasn't really interested in me at all. She was just sitting and looking at me. At one point, what was this conversation? Oh, she asked me where I was staying, sort of out of the blue. Which, when a girl's not asking you anything about yourself at all, and then she suddenly asks you something like, where are you staying? While giving you otherwise sexual eye contact interest. It's sort of a, a loud, blaring signal. But at the time, I'd only been talking to this girl for 10 or 15 minutes. And I just started getting used to the idea of moving as quickly as possible. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, this probably isn't gonna work, what the hell? So I said, oh, I'm staying at my buddy's mom's place. I'm staying with his mother. Uh, they had a spare room. He was staying uh, across the street with his father because the mother and father were divorced, but they had like apartments that were right next to each other. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So I said, I'm staying at uh, his mom's place. And then I paused and she didn't say anything. I said, do you want to go see his mom's place? And she was like, sure. <laughs> so I, I got her and we went out of there. I think we, we circled back and she left her handbag there. That's what it was. But I managed to get her back out again later. It's always risky if you go back into a place after leaving with a girl. Because a lot of times that can muck things up. But I was lucky when I was where I was doing okay that night. So I got her out of there and went back and slept together. And I've had a lot of different incidents like these. Like you'll meet a girl and you're talking to her on the street and you've only been talking for a few minutes and then you say to her, you know, hey, you want to go to an after party? Or hey, you want to come back and hang out at my place because it's pretty boring out here right now. And she'll just say, okay. And first couple times it happens, you'll be scratching your head and going, well, uh, <laughs> what just happened? I wasn't expecting a yes. It can kind of throw you off. <laughs> so long as you can roll with it, you can be okay. And it seems that this sort of situation happens quite frequently, and yet many men don't detect how quickly women are actually willing to move fast with them. Uh, one of the common themes you try to teach readers of your site is that women are out there looking for men more often than we think, and it's up to us to look for the signs and 
lead women through the process, so to speak. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a, a fun exercise that I gave to one of my friends lately, who's he's a pretty advanced guy, but he's continually getting stuck at this point where he'll get girls back to his place after a date or after he met them, and then they won't sleep together. And I said, okay, I think you just need more practice doing this. He's still sort of being a bit of a nice guy, so I told him, here's your assignment for the next 30 days if you're up to it. I want you to invite one girl home every day for the next 30 days. And I just want you to get the experience of doing it and see what it feels like. Uh, he's a little bit uncomfortable still inviting women who just met home. So what's happened is he got rejected for like four or five days in a row. And then he got a girl that said yes, uh, literally a few minutes after he met her. <laughs> and he got this girl back and he was stunned that he wasn't expecting it at all. So he, he ended up kissing this girl, making out with her, and started to get some of her clothes off. And she got a little bit uncomfortable, or said she was, but then she said, you know, this is way too fast for me, we just met a few minutes ago, but I like you and I want to see you again. So he ended up walking her out and letting her go. They had a date set up for a few days from now. That's still an incredible story though, because he met her only for a few minutes and yet was able to isolate her and, you know, yeah. be intimate with her even a little bit, which is incredible. Some guys go on five dates and they don't even get on that level, which is just goes to show how important it is to move fast and to so like roll with the punches like you were saying. Yeah, then the point of the exercise is so that he can see there's really just the habit of asking what is most important. It's like the guy who goes on five dates and doesn't get the girl home, a lot of the time if she's gonna go on five dates with you, she probably likes you. But I'll bet you the, the problem is the guy's just not asking her home. He's too nervous, he's trying to wait for the right time. You get in the habit of asking. It stops being something you get nervous about. It opens up this world of opportunity for you who you otherwise wouldn't even think you could get, and all of a sudden now you're getting them just because you ask. Right, right. Now, uh, what are your thoughts on monogamy and relationships? Do you think it's appropriate to be and stay single if you're trying to learn experience dating, or when would a man want to get into a relationship or a long-term situation? Uh, I don't like talking too much about appropriateness or not appropriateness in terms of relationships, so long as we're not talking about you know, people doing anything that's hurting anybody else. As long as you're just choosing your own lifestyle, you're, you're better off picking whatever is best for you and everyone's going to have their own opinion about what they want and what they don't want. And that will also change as you gain more experience with relationships, with dating, with sleeping with women. Kind of uh, what seems like the best path for you is going to change or be sculpted by your experiences. So it's a, it's a huge, it depends, it depends on what you want. If your objective is get good with girls, if you really are serious about wanting to get good with women and master it, I would recommend that you not get monogamous. Especially if you're starting out and you meet some great girl who's everything you're looking for. There's going to be a real strong temptation to say, you know what, screw it. This girl's awesome. I'm going to get into a monogamous relationship. And it's what almost everybody does that gets into this. And you see a very predictable pattern. Guy gets in either because he's always sucked with women or because he just had a bad relationship experience and he says to himself, okay, now I'm gonna get serious. And if he starts going out and meeting girls and practicing and he sleeps with some girls and he's friends with benefits. And then he meets this girl who's pretty good. She's maybe not perfect for him, but she's, she's like an eight out of 10 on his own personal scale. And he says, you know what? I don't want to pass up on this, so I'm just gonna get in a relationship with her. He, the thing that's harder to do 
but will benefit you more in the long term. Is if you can look at a girl like that and say, you know what, this girl's amazing, and I'm gonna keep her in my life if I can, but my number one priority is still getting better with women. So, you know, I'm just gonna tell her, like, look, we can be together, I'm not in a place right now where I can get into some sort of monogamous thing. And if you're doing a great job in the relationship and you're giving her pretty much everything she wants, she's usually gonna stick around anyway if you're an exceptional guy, which you will be if you're working on yourself and improving yourself. And this is another one of these things that it changes the way you see it. Just like going out and asking girls home when you normally wouldn't do that, and someone say yes, and just blows your mind the first couple of times because you're like, wow, I didn't think that that was possible. The same thing happens with relationships. You think, well, if I don't give her monogamy, she's of course gonna break up with me. But then you go out and you treat her like a, a regular girlfriend, even though she knows you're not monogamous, or it's implied that you're not monogamous, and she stays on with you anyway. And you're like, wow, this is insane. Like, this girl knows or suspects that I'm probably not monogamous, but yet she's still staying with me anyway, so I can still have this great girl in my life, and I'm still being able to go out and work on my skills with women and improve without being a complete dirtbag lying or cheating or anything. That makes perfect sense. So, just to wrap up, do you think that getting good with women is a gateway to being great at other parts of our lives? And how? Yeah, that's an interesting question. It's somewhat undecided. So, some, one of the things I've noticed is that it seems like, I'm not sure if there's exactly a correlation between greatness in other aspects of your life and greatness with women. So obviously the coolest business guys you see also happen to be really good with girls. But there are also some very successful business guys who are not very good with girls. So like, from what I gather, guys like Steve Jobs or Elon Musk, the founder of PayPal and uh, SpaceX and an owner of Tesla, the car company, and a number of other businessmen that are likable and charismatic, they also pretend to be pretty good with women. But then you have other guys like Mark Zuckerberg, for instance, who's probably not very good with girls, but he's still a successful businessman anyway. So I think it can help because it gives you an edge in terms of understanding people and reading people. And especially as you get higher up in business, this becomes extremely key because you're dealing with a lot more higher level things, with negotiations, with high pressure situations, with being able to uh, work with tension. You have employees that uh, are upset or angry. Another thing that the social dynamics in general teaches you is clear communication, which is really super important for higher levels of business. However, there's also potentially the, the uh, other side of it, which could be if you're doing so well with women that you're completely sating any desire to do anything else with your life. I'm not totally convinced that that actually happens because it seems like the guys that are the hedonists are always going to pursue hedonism and they're never going to be builders. Whereas the guys who are builders, even if they have a lot of sex, they still want to build something. I just don't have enough data points I can tell you for sure. Of course. It's a bit of a subjective question, but thank you so much for contributing to it. And uh, that's the wrap, everyone. It's been a great interview session with Girls Chase founder Chase Amante. Thank you so much for your time. All right, it's been a pleasure, Bruin. I look forward to listening to more of these with other guys. I look forward to interviewing the rest of your team as well. Thank you. That would be awesome. And listeners, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as we continue to interview other authors and members of the site and answer any of the questions you might have for Chase and his team. Till next time. That's a wrap, everyone.
I hope you enjoyed our first interview sessions with Girls Chase founder, Chase Amante. Be sure to look out for upcoming episodes of the podcast as we continue to delve into your questions of the social arts through the Girls Chase team. I'm Barun Raja, signing out.